with the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft. The New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. Back to throw is Darnold, looks left, has time, looks over the middle, fires one down the left sideline, towards the end zone, Robbie Anderson, he's got it, that's a Jet touchdown. Darnold takes the snap, looks right, throws right, up the middle, he's got Bilal Powell, in stride at the 15, at the 10, he's into the end zone, that's a Jet touchdown. Sam Darnold hit him in stride. Winning a Super Bowl is everyone's goal, everyone on the team wants to win a Super Bowl. Anything short of that is a failure, and whatever my role is, I'm going to start in that role to work us towards that Super Bowl. One, two, three! And the home of the Jets! This is the Gangree Nation Podcast with Michael Nanny. What's going on? Welcome back to the Gangree Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Nanya, and of course, what a disastrous week for the New York Jets, falling 41-10 to at home to the Buffalo Bills. Their fourth straight loss going into the bye week. They sit at 3-7, 15th in the AFC standings. If the season ended today, they would have the fifth pick in the draft. So playoff hopes completely out the window, and it's that time of year again. Jets are used to it pretty much annually at this point. Third straight year, the Jets will come out of the bye week pretty much with no chance at the playoffs and focusing merely on development, getting wins, just to keep the morale up. And, of course, obviously a lot of heat on Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnan after this last loss, and I don't like to talk about them too much, but... I'll talk about them a little bit. I do think I'm not too surprised that the Jets didn't pull the trigger on Todd Bowles after this loss. I think that it was something that I would have liked to see them do just because of the fact that Bowles hasn't been able to correct his own issues that this last loss was a complete disaster of epic proportions for the Jets. This was the Jets' largest margin of defeat to a division opponent at home since 2002 when they lost 44-7 to the Pats early in that season. It's the fifth largest home division loss in team history and the largest to a division opponent with a losing record. In the history of the Jets, largest home division loss to a team with a losing record. And since 2000, this century, it's only the seventh 31-point loss by a team playing a division opponent with a losing record at home. Seventh time this whole century, it was that bad of a loss for the Jets. So I do think that the Jets would have been completely completely justified in firing Todd Bowles at this point with some of the decisions he's made this season, putting his quarterback in danger. Uh, some of the ways that like the Jacksonville game games where the defensive play calling has been disastrous efforts like this one against Buffalo in terms of from a, from an effort standpoint of the roster. So I think the jets would have been justified in doing it, but they're going to pitch stability to the fan base, not giving up on their guy. And you know, I don't think it has too much impact. The Jets obviously aren't making the playoffs this season, and I do think I would have liked to see them come out of the bye week with a new face at head coach to give the team a little bit of a spark going into the final stretch and playing the Pats at home. And with the healthy Darnold, maybe just give the team a little bit of a spark. But either way, I don't think it has too much impact. Bulls will be gone at the end of the season, most likely. If Bulls isn't gone at the end of the season, then that's a completely different issue we can talk about then. But I don't think it has too much impact either way. The Jets are done, and really the most important factor from this point on is the development of Sam Darnold and the young players. So regardless of who's that head coach, those guys are going to get a chance to play and make some progression going into next season. But I do think the bigger question is whether or not Mike McCagnan returns, and we'll get into it a ton more as the season goes on. I won't talk too much about him now, but I do think 
from my point of view, I do think McCagnon should go with Bulls because I think if you're going to get rid of your head coach, these are two guys who came in together and the Jets, they've had three and a half years at this point. This is the, their fourth year together to get something going and the Jets are on track to win six games or less for the third straight season. At best, this could be their third straight season with five wins or less. So I, I, if it were me, I would get rid of McCagnon as well, start completely clean. I think McCagnon's free agency record is below average. You look at contracts like Tremaine Johnson retaining Fitzpatrick, the way the Revis deal panned out, the Cromartie deal, uh, Buster Screen has been... He's had, he had a good first couple of years, but I think overall... McCagnon's free agency record has not given you the confidence that he's the kind of guy who's with the amount of cap space the Jets are going to have next year, needing to surround Sam Darnold with weapons and needing to build around his rookie contract window. The clock is starting to tick on McCagnon and the Jets to build around Sam Darnold's rookie window and actually use that cap space to find difference makers and not just plug holes like they had the last couple of years. So his record in free agency doesn't give you the confidence that He's going to be able to adequately use that money to build around Darnold in this window. And I think in the draft, his record there has been even worse in free agency. You look at what the Jets have gotten to this point out of his drafts. The only sure guy you could say is a potential perennial Pro Bowl player is Jamal Adams out of his four drafts. I think Leonard Williams is a really good starter. You do have him. Um, Brandon Shell in the late rounds is looking like a nice pick. Elijah Maguire's promising. Darren Lee's making some steps. But overall, I think Adams and Williams are the only guys you can be sure in 2019 and going forward are going to be above average starters for the Jets. And like I said, some other guys you could who have some promise and could potentially improve. You have Lachlan Edwards also, who's a solid punter, improved to an above average punter here over the past couple of years. Like I mentioned, Brandon Shell. I'm a huge fan of his. He's developing. Darren Lee's improved. Elijah McGuire looks great. Uh, Jordan Jenkins has been a starter for this team, but those guys are not sure to be difference-making starters. Lee still has to prove he can be consistent enough. McGuire, as much as I love Elijah McGuire, who I'll talk about more, he still hasn't had that much of a sample size to prove that he can be a true difference-maker, so we'll see if McGuire can keep up what he's done so far. Jordan Jenkins, I think, is at best, an average starter. We talk all the time about how much the Jets struggle with their pass rush, and Jenkins is a, one of the starters on the edge, and his inability to be an effective pass rusher is a big part of that. As solid of a run defender as he might be, I don't think it makes up for his pass rush deficiency. So overall, I think his McCagnin's draft record, that's below average at best. Free agency, below average at best. He's made up for it with his trade, some of the trades that he's made. Henry Anderson, great trade. Uh getting rid of Sheldon Richardson to pick up Jermaine Curse in a second round pick. That was a good trade. Uh, getting Fitzpatrick and Marshall to get the 2015 season going. Those were big trades, but all those trades, you look at those. Jermaine Curse now in his second season has been a complete bust, one of the least efficient receivers in the league. Fitzpatrick and Marshall, we all know how that panned out in 2016. Those moves, I, while I do think that uh, McCagnan has been an above average guy, uh, general manager, in the trade market, those moves don't build winners. They supplement them. The draft is what build win builds winners, and I think McCagnan has been below average in that department. So I do think there he is more justification to stay than Bulls, but if it were me, I think if Bulls is going to go, McCagnan should go too, and the Jets should clean house and start over with the head coach and their general manager who are on the same page going forward. So that's all I have to say about them for now. Let's move into some of the positives and negatives 
of this Bills game. Uh, starting with the offensive line, I think it was pretty poor performance from them, specifically in the run game. Uh, Jonathan Harrison started again. I think he struggled. Uh, he doesn't really. He struggles to generate power in the run game. And to his left, James Carpenter had another rough game run blocking. I think Carpenter is a free agent after this season, and I don't think it's going to be in the cards for him to return. He clearly and a big talking point with. Carpenter is the switch from the man blocking scheme that he came into when he signed with the Jets and performed pretty well in to the zone blocking that they primarily run now and definitely man blocking is a better fit for him but I think at this point in addition to the switch to the zone blocking scheme that Carpenter is clearly kind of losing a step at this point later in his career he doesn't seem to have the same amount of power and athleticism that he used to and athleticism is never a part of his game but just clearly he seems to be not proficient enough as an athlete to work in this zone scheme and even like I said generate as much power in the run game as he used to be able to he's 29 now it's going to be his age 30 season next year so I think Carpenter seems to be hitting that wall a little bit late in his career he just doesn't seem to have the same level of strength and power in his lower body generating power off the snap in the run game that he used to so more on the offensive line uh big positive out of this game that no one would really pay attention to is Brandon Shell. I tagged him for only one pressure allowed in this game, 2.7% pressure rate across 37 protection snaps. And the reason I think this is a really positive growing point for Shell is that I talked about it on the past podcast. Uh, back in week four, Brandon Shell had a rough game against the Jaguars, really struggled against them. And then he came back over the next four games and played really great. It was one of the cleanest right tackles and pass protection in the league. But then last week against Miami had another rough game. Uh, the Dolphins just seem to have his number. Cameron Wake especially matches up really well against Shell. So I was interested to see if Shell was going to be able to once again, like he did after the Jacksonville game, bounce back and not let things snowball from one bad game to another to another. And he did that again. So I think that's really positive from Shell that he was able to do that. I think Brian Winters had one of his better games this year. He was pretty solid in the run game. Overall, the run game, though, did struggle a lot in this game, and that's a big reason that the Jets struggled, but Winters and Shell, I thought, played pretty decent games, and Winters, I do think, overall has been pretty poor this season. I think that his pass protection has been really inconsistent. I, I think he's the kind of guy who is going to end up on the ground every play, but more often than not, it's going to be in a negative way. Sometimes he pile drives guys into the ground. He has really good athleticism. He's strong, but sometimes he just doesn't get a good base under him. He's a little bit slow to his spots, and sometimes he finds himself on the ground. In this game, actually, uh, Bill's linebacker Matt Milano, who Winters has 100 pounds on, Milano put Winters on the ground and picked up a stuff in the run game. So the highs with Winters are really high, but the lows are really low, and in my opinion, I think the lows outweigh the highs. So even though this was a pretty solid game for Winters, I'm on the side of cutting him after this season. He's a guy who the Jets can move on from with little to no cap hit if they cut him after this season. So I'm on the side of moving on from him. But I do think the Jets really like Winters. They have they gave him a contract extension, extension a couple years ago. Um, he's been healthy this year. And they, they really seem to speak highly of him and like him as a key factor of this run game. So I think going, and also with Winters, as much as I may not like him, he's gotten he's been graded really well by pro football focus this season uh and it's hard to replace a lot of offensive linemen in one offseason it's a really tough position to find competent starters at 
And like I said, the Jets will move on from James Carpenter. Uh, Spencer Long, they're probably going to move on from him if he can't get healthy and improve because Spencer Long, also they can move on without any cap hits. So that's at least two guys the Jets are going to be looking to replace. So Winters adding him to the list as well would force the Jets to have to find three completely new starters inside. And while I do think that they should probably explore that route at least and try to find some more players who with more upside than this interior trio. That has been one of the worst in the league this season. I think it's pretty likely Winters returns next season, but in my opinion, I would like to see some more from him over the rest of the season. Some more consistency, uh, more consistently seeing those highs in the run game and in pass protection than those lows. So I'm going to be keeping an eye on Winters, but I do think he'll return next season, and I think that this season definitely has been an improvement over last, even though I'm not his biggest fan. Uh, more on the blocking game, uh, Chris Herndon. I really like what I've seen from him in pass protection this year. He's a willing blocker for sure uh, in pass protection. He's fundamentally sound. He's aware, and he's aggressive. Uh, he knows how to hold his spot in pass protection, so he's done really well in pass protection this season. You look at his numbers on the year in pass protection, Herndon I have him for 22 protection snaps on the year and only one pressure allowed. So really good efficiency there. But I do think run blocking is an area where Herndon can improve. I think that in the run game, he really fails to generate enough power, getting out in the move to carve holes. Often he's late uh, getting to defensive backs and linebackers. And a lot of times when he gets to his man in the open field, and like I said, specifically with DBs and linebackers, a lot of times he gets to them, but lets them escape his grasp win the hand-fighting battle, and get to the ball to make a play. So pass protection really good for Herndon. And overall, even in the run game, I think he's willing. That's definitely not an issue with him. But I think run blocking is something that he can really improve on over the rest of this season and into next year going forward. And I think the upside's there. Like I said, he's willing. He's got a good body for it. He's an athletic, strong guy. But I think fundamentally, his run blocking can still catch up with his pass blocking. And I think there have been a few games this year where the Jets have struggled with their run blocking, and Herndon, his struggles in that phase have been a big part of it, including this last game against the Bills. On the season for Herndon, I have him for assisting on 10 runs, 10 positive runs in the run game, and allowing 14 stuffs, which is a pretty bad ratio, frankly put. So going forward, I'd like to see Herndon improve his run blocking, but the potential is definitely there because in pass protection, he has been really good in that phase. So moving on from the offensive line, we'll talk a little bit about the coverage from the Jets in this game. And it was interesting in this game because the clear culprits for Matt Barkley's ridiculous performance in this game were the three highest played players on this defense. And that's Tremaine Johnson, Buster Screen, and Morris Claiborne. And I, I just want to put into perspective how bad this performance is. Matt Barkley entered this game with the sixth worst era adjusted quarterback rating in the history of the NFL among players with at least 250 career passing attempts. That's how much he struggled in his career. And this is a guy who had never won a road game before, had never put up a hundred quarterback rating in a single game in his career and comes into MetLife stadium, puts up an 117 quarterback rating and a 31 point road win on one of the highest paid secondaries in the league. So we'll start with Buster screen. I had him in this game for six catches allowed on eight targets, 82 yards, six first downs allowed, the most I've tagged a Jet with in a single game this season. And most of those were to Zay Jones, the slot receiver for the Buffalo Bills in this game, primarily 
most of those targets coming out of the slot, obviously, as Buster Screen would see as a slot corner. So Zay Jones in this game picked up 68 yards and five first downs on Buster Screen alone. And to put into perspective how rare it was for Jones to put up that much production, his previous career high over his first 24 career games was 68 yards in an entire game. And he put up that on screen alone. And overall in this game, he put up a career high for receiving yards. He picked up five first downs against Buster Screen. Uh, screen, I think, he, we know who Buster Screen is at this point. His best games can be really, really good. And he has a few of those every year. We saw it last year against New England, against New Orleans, against the Panthers. He has those games now and then where he's just incredible. And when you're that athletic as a defensive back, you're going to have those games every now and then. But the rest of the time for Buster Screen, and this is why he's taken so much ire from the fan base, he's just too inconsistent. And you have games like this where he's consistently two steps slow, reacting to the uh, routes of his matchups, always trailing them, can't mirror their routes off the snap. And he's just going to consistently get picked on and have games like this. So altogether, Zay Jones picked up seven first downs in this game through the air, and he had never even caught six total passes in a game before this. So obviously just compounds the fact that the Jets got obliterated by one of the worst offenses in modern NFL history, a team that entered the game with 18 offensive points over the last three games. And these three guys are a big part of it. We'll move on to Tremaine Johnson, first play of the game. Robert Foster, a wide receiver who was called up off the practice squad two days before, beats Tremaine Johnson for a 46-yard catch on the first play of the game that kind of set the tone for the entire afternoon. And the thing with Johnson is a lot of people wanted to play more press coverage, and he's definitely press corner. Speed was never part of his game. He's long, he's tall, he's physical, he's strong. Press coverage is his game, but right now, I don't know if it's because he's not healthy or if maybe he's hitting the wall early and he's lost a step, but Johnson just doesn't have the speed right now. And if you can't run and have the catch-up speed to make up for when you miss your jam at the line of scrimmage and cover deep routes, you're not going to be able to be a press corner. And even overall, um, no corner in the league plays press coverage every single snap. It's just not something that happens anymore with how often teams like to attack deep, how fast receivers have gotten. The corners who press the most in the league only do it about maybe 20%, 25% of the time at most. And Johnson isn't at that level right now. And what he's showing right now with his ability to run downfield doesn't give you the confidence that he's going to be better playing at the line of scrimmage. And he's playing off a lot. He doesn't have the catch-up speed to cover these routes. And even, even when he is playing off, playing, anticipating routes like the one that he got beat by, by Robert Foster, he just doesn't have the speed to cover them right now. So like I said, I don't know if he's hit the wall already, which obviously wouldn't be a good sign for the Jets considering they made Johnson the second highest paid corner in the league. I don't know if he's hit the wall. I don't know if he's been playing hurt this season because he did leave the game very way back in week one uh, against the Lions and obviously missed a few games midseason. So uh, I guess we'll see if Johnson can get some of his speed back and start playing some more competent football. But to this point, I haven't tagged for 11 yards per target allowed on the season, which is the highest on the entire Jets roster of every single player. i tagged with at least one target this season so Johnson definitely I think the Jets are stuck with him next season they can't get rid of him without taking a massive cap hit he's going to be on the team next season and he's going to be a major part of the defense so 
post bye week, I think it would be very promising for the Jets to see Johnson look healthier, look faster, and be able to li- not live up to the contract that they gave him. He's never going to be a top five corner, but at least play good, solid cornerback for them in the second half. That would be very promising for the prospects of the 2019 team. So uh, looking at Morris Claiborne in this game, it was up and down for Claiborne. He got targeted five times, broke up four of those passes, including a couple in the end zone. And on the season now, Claiborne, 13 pass breakups for him this season, or 13 total passes defended, including his two picks. And that leads the entire league. So that's a positive for Claiborne. He's doing a really good job playing the ball this season. But Claiborne also got beat for a 40-yard bomb by Robert Foster. And we started to see a couple more of those over the past few weeks. Uh, guys making plays on Claiborne that previously he's been lucky weren't converted. But still to see him making these plays on the football is really encouraging. It's been a really solid season for him. And he's continued that here into the second half of the year. Like I said, I don't think he's been as elite as the numbers say. Uh, his passer rating allowed is still really low in the season. Like I said, he's number one in passes defended. I don't think he's been as good as those numbers, but I don't think he's been terrible either. I think it's fair to say he's been an average corner this season, which is good value for the contract the Jets gave him, bringing him back in a one-year deal. And he's also stayed healthy for all 10 games so far, something that he wasn't able to do last year. So we'll see if Claiborne can stay healthy for all 16 games and continue to be at least a solid corner for them. And the Jets are going to have a tough decision after this year whether or not they should bring Claiborne back, if they should for how much, because I think if I'm the Jets, the Jets have a lot of other needs. They need to get better pass rusher. They need to fix this offensive line. They need to get Sam Darnold some weapons. So they have a lot of other needs to focus on. So I think bringing Claiborne back just to keep that cornerback position solidified would be a smart move. But with the numbers Claiborne's put up and with his improved health, Uh, I think that Claiborne could demand a lot of money on the open market and a more desperate team at cornerback could offer him a lot of money. So I think the Jets really could be outbid for him, but I think the Jets would be wise to see if they can get him back on maybe another one-year deal or maybe a multi-year deal with limited, a front-loaded multi-year deal maybe to bring him back. So I think the Jets definitely need to be in on Claiborne, but I still would be skeptical to invest in him him long-term because even though he has stayed healthy with the Jets, this is still a guy who had really bad injury issues early in his career. And even at this point is still, while he's been productive, he's definitely tiptoed the line a little bit with some of the mistakes he's benefited from to this point on the season. I have him for six plays uh, in which he should have allowed a first down or a touchdown and was bailed out by an opponent mistake. And that's twice as many as any other player on the team. So I think the Jets should look at bringing him back, but it's going to be really interesting to see what price he commands in the offseason. Moving on from the coverage, a couple positives on the offensive side in terms of the skill players. Uh, Elijah McGuire, he had six carries for 30 yards, uh, two of those for first downs, three catches for 27 yards, all three of those for first downs. And overall, through two games, McGuire has posted 10 first downs on 19 touches. That efficiency is ridiculous. And after his first game back against Miami, posting five first downs on 10 touches, I pointed out then that that was ridiculous efficiency. While promising, I was unsure if he could keep that going. But now for a second straight game, McGuire has posted five first downs on a limited amount of touches. And just in comparison, to show you how good that is, Isaiah Crowell over the past five games has 10 first downs on 64 touches. Same amount as McGuire has on 19 touches. 
over the last two games. So McGuire's been tremendous since he's come back. He looks fresh. He looks like he's moving at a completely different speed than his teammates at running back. He's been tremendous in the open field. He had a couple of really nice juke moves in this past game on Sunday. So McGuire's look really fresh coming back. He's promising. I really like what I've seen from him in his return. So I definitely would like to see some more touches for him going forward. Uh, McGuire has gotten 13 more snaps in, than Isaiah Crowell in each of the last two games. But going forward, I would maybe like to see that up a little bit because you look at beyond McGuire you ha- and Crowell, you have Trenton Cannon, who, even though he did carry the ball four times for 30 yards in this Buffalo game, has struggled with his consistency in the running game this season. His yards per carry has been low all year. Uh, his hands have been really inconsistent as a pass catcher out of the backfield. And we saw it in the preseason with his punt returning. And that's kind of translated to his hands in the receiving game this year. So Cannon's kind of tough to rely on. So I do think it's fair for Crowell to get some touches just so the Jets can have a downhill running back to rely on at certain points. But McGuire has been leading the Jets in touches and it's good to see him getting those touches and making the most of them. So I'm excited to see what he does going forward. Uh, in addition to McGuire, Chris Herndon, who I, I talked about as blocking earlier, but three catches, 34 yards in this game, and he continues to remain among the most productive tight ends in the league over the past few weeks. Uh, since week six, he's got 14 catches, 210 yards, three touchdowns, and he, uh, among tight ends, he's been one of the top receiving tight ends in the league over that span. So since week six, the 14 catches, 11th among tight ends, 210 yards, eighth among tight ends, three touchdowns fourth among tight ends. He's averaging 11.1 yards a target. That's third among the 35 tight ends with at least 10 targets in that span and 15 yards per catch, which is fifth among the 35 tight ends with at least 10 targets in that span. So Chris Herndon's been becoming more involved in the passing game. Uh, We're seeing him pick up yards after the catch. We're seeing him find soft spots and zones and the Jets really looking to feature him on a few plays and whether they're screen passes, uh, some plays plays schemed and designed to find openings in zone defenses. So Chris Herndon's becoming a bigger factor in the offense. And again, we say it every week. Uh, I'd like to see him more involved. I'd like to see McGuire more involved, all the young players. But at, at the end of the day, when the quarterback's struggling, when the team is down, it's hard to get everybody involved. But still with Herndon and McGuire, I'm really impressed with the efficiency they've posted over the past few weeks, uh, their production and how they progress. So definitely over the, post bye week stretch. I'm interested to see if those two guys can continue to play really well and solve a couple of holes, 2019 holes for the Jets this season before the Jets go into the season having to overpay for someone else. So obviously Le'Veon Bell is going to be a huge discussion topic with this team every single day until free agency starts. So I'll have a lot more to say about Bell. Probably next week I'll talk about him a little bit. And definitely, like I said, He's going to be a huge discussion topic until free agency kicks off. So we'll talk about Bell a lot. But for McGuire and Herndon to continue to play like they have and show the Jets that they can be positive contributors for the team next season and be homegrown cheap weapons for Darnold going forward over these next couple seasons will be a really big positive development out of the season. And so far, the early returns over these past few weeks for McGuire in his first two games back, uh, Herndon, over the past few weeks after a rough start since he's gotten more playing time. Both those guys taking advantage of those opportunities, and we'll see if they can keep that going after the bye week. So 
Anyway, thanks a ton for listening in. It's been a really rough stretch here for the Jets, a season that started with so much promise has gone completely down the drain and all hell is broken loose. But here at the Gangrene Nation podcast, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and keep it as positive as possible, focus on the young players, focus on the positive developments, and try to keep the optimism going as we get through the season and hopefully build something around Sam Darnold going forward. So anyway, bye week coming up this week, but I'll be back next week with one, maybe a couple episodes next week, talk a little bit about what goes on around the league this Sunday, uh, some of the some of my favorite and least favorite developments from the Jets over their first 10 games of the season. Uh, also coming up this week, I'm probably going to post uh, community power rankings for the Jets this season. Obviously, uh, a few episodes back, I went over my top 10 Jets, uh, as I do each week on Gangrene Nation. But as I did last year, uh, in the bye week, I like to post a community vote and let the fans kind of vote on their top players over the season and stack up the team and take a look at how the community as a whole thinks of the Jets' individual best and worst performers on the season. So I'll probably have a reaction to that. Look out for that on Gangrene Nation this week. Um, Anyway, just keep the faith. And, you know, I'm going to tell you this analogy that I always tell myself with this team. I look at every single terrible decision, every single terrible loss, every single time that the Jets do something that's face palm inducing, all that stuff, all that terrible stuff. I just see it as another rubber band on the rubber band ball. It continues to grow and grow and grow with every one of these losses, every one of these terrible decisions. And the bigger that rubber band ball gets, the harder it's going to hurt when we throw back in everyone's faces, when we finally get this thing done, whenever that happens. That's how I see it. But anyway, thanks a ton for listening in. Um, I really appreciate you listening in. Uh, Like I said, going to keep the optimism up around here. So thanks a ton for listening in. Talk to you next week. This has been the Gangrene Nation Podcast. Make sure to follow Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Dania. And keep up with everything Jets at gangrenation.com. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.